All right, if I can uh, have your attention again. Um, Angel doesn't need introduction to most of you today, but Angel is my wife uh, of 29 years. And, and get this, it's our wedding anniversary today. Apparently, apparently this is what they call a champagne wedding anniversary. It's 29 years on the 29th of August, so it's the only time this will happen for us. But uh, we, I'm, I'm so blessed to have such an amazing partner. And, uh, and uh, she's, uh, you know, for all the times I tease her, I hope you know I don't really mean it, she's amazing. And uh, I'm serious. Like, I, uh, I won the lottery. I married up. I really did. I married up big time. And so grateful for her. Uh, she's going to be preaching this morning about Hannah. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn kind of one-third or quarter of the way through the Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to read Hannah's prayer. So that's 1 Samuel 2. One to ten. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord, Yahweh, is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warrior are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who is barren has borne seven children, but she who has many sons uh, pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundation of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will, will thunder from heaven. The Lord, Yahweh, will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. May God bless the reading of his word. Good morning. Um, especially a good morning like this sunny, sunny uh, last weekend in August. I always find last weekend in August kind of a bit melancholic because the summer is fading and the new season is coming. Um, so today we are concluding uh, the series Praying with Sinners and saints. I was thinking, how can I follow up after heavyweights like uh, Simon um, last week and the week before Derwin, dealing with some of the difficult issues 
of uh, prayer. And uh, today, uh, I feel like a bit, a bit like a kindergarten kid coming to sing after a huge real performance. So that's what I feel like. But here we go. Um, Hannah's prayer that Derwin read, I want to give you some background so that you know where it was birthed and what brought to life. Uh, if you have the Bibles, look at it in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I'm just going to go through some of the stuff there, and then we'll read the prayer again. Uh, verse 2, Elkanah um, had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other was Peninnah. It says, Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Uh, these are the ancient times uh, in the Eastern culture, uh, especially in the Jewish culture, they usually practiced monogamy, not polygamy. But in some cases, if you didn't have children, they would marry uh, another partner and have children with them. And uh, Hannah is mentioned first, so probably she was the first wife uh, for Elkanah, and then he married Penina to have children. Verses 3 to 8, he, it says, Year after year, this man, that's Elkanah, went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah... He gave a double portion, uh, or in Hebrew, I think it's special portion, because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord has closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in, in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean to you than ten sons? So you can already see the difficult dynamics at play here, right? Imagine you are in the household of Hannah. You have a husband, and your husband has another wife, and they have children. You are living in this household, but I wonder whether Hannah felt alone in this household, um, as if though she does not belong there. Uh, the other wife, in, in Scripture it says the rival, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. So imagine living... You have a rival in your house. There's two queens in the kitchen, right? One is love of Elkanah's life, and the other is the children of Elkanah, the mother of Elkanah's children. Ugly power play. Uh, uh, in the Old Testament, there is three festivals uh, where they went to the temple, the house of the Lord. Um, and uh, they would sacrifice. And usually when they went, they went with 
families, you know, groups, community. This is a community event. And uh, this is the time Penina used to taunt her even more. So imagine Christmas, Easter, and Thanksgiving. Uh, dinner together, not so nice. Uh, she doesn't eat. She goes into her room and she's crying. Uh, culturally for Hannah, um, it would have been a very isolating life because uh, in the Eastern cultures, uh, when you had weddings, when you had uh, new babies, uh, the women would come together to bless them. And those are times when they would set them aside because they treated them like as though people who were abandoned by God. You know, God has punished them because they didn't have children, right? So why would they bring you into the middle to bless the new mother, the new baby, new uh, couple? Um, economically, Hannah future didn't look so good. Because if something happened to Elkanah, she is on the streets probably because uh, Penina did not like her. So this is kind of the place where Hannah is. And now, uh, if it was a movie, the, the lens is zooming in in verse 9 to 11. He says, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, so this is at a festival, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the uh, Lord's house. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. She made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. Those two verses, you get to see Hannah's heart and her soul. The soil in which this prayer that is coming up, right, where it's birthed. She had suffered for many years. You know uh, Penina has had several children, right, sons and daughters. Uh, so years, painful years. Uh, I like what Simon talked about last week. He said, in your anger, in your pain, in your disappointment, pray. Uh, God can handle your difficult emotions. That's what he talked about last week. So in her bitterness of her soul, Hannah wept much and prayed. She says, look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget me. I think if Hannah was here, she would say to each one of us, go to God as you are, wherever you are at. No need for pretenses, no need for show, no need to put makeup on. You need to cover yourselves up. Come as you are. You don't even have to clean yourselves, your emotions up before you go to God. Pray as you are. Some of you know that feeling, uh, the bitterness of soul feeling. You feel it in your heart 
and you feel it in your bones. Uh, some of you have been living with your enemies for years, whether it's illnesses or uh, pain or if you're living with depression. Um, for some of you, you are living in a painful marriage. Maybe it's your wayward child. Maybe it's a broken marriage. Maybe it's broken relationships. Maybe it's pain of loneliness or pain of singleness. Pain of unanswered prayers feels like God has forgotten you, especially if you have been praying for it for a, a few years. I know a little bit of that feeling, feeling of deep anguish feeling. Um, uh, like Devin said, we got married uh, 29 years ago, 1992, and I said yes to go on a wild ride with Devin. And... Uh, <laughs> And um, two weeks after we got married, we packed everything that belonged to us in our little Corolla, and we moved from Toronto to Vancouver. We left everything, our family, our friends, uh, all our comforts, uh, and came here because we felt like God wanted us here. And uh, so we uh, started helping out with the church plant, and... Uh, I went to work in downtown Vancouver as an accountant, and uh, life started. And then I felt the Lord prompting me to give up my job and maybe start my business so that I would work part-time so that I could do some of the things that the Lord was calling me to do. And one of the things was he was calling me to do was start a Bible study with young moms. And uh, it was amazing. I was freaked out. Because I wasn't a mom yet. How am I going to lead a Bible study with young moms when I can't share any of their pain or what they are going through? I couldn't share anything, right? And I'm like, whoa, it's like diving into a deep end, not knowing how to swim. And uh, so I did start uh, Wednesday morning. It was an amazing group. Some of you were there, I know that. And uh, we did that group for 11 years. 11 years, every Wednesday, we had a group. What, when I started, what a lot of people didn't know with this um, young mums group was I was struggling with infertility. And uh, my womb somehow was closed. That's how I felt. Um, you know your body is supposed to do something? but it does not do what it wants, you want it to do. Uh, some of you know the feeling because you are struggling with illnesses. Uh, week after week, hanging out with moms, with young babies, uh, especially 42 months, I remember it was hard. Every month, I would sow with hope that this is the month I'm going to get pregnant. And half a month I would dive into despair because I didn't get pregnant. And here I am teaching about God's love, teaching about God's faithfulness, teaching about his providence. And some days I taught in faith because I couldn't see it by sight. 
I like what Kay Warren says. She's uh, uh, Rick Warren's wife. She says, our lives are like a set of parallel train tracks. On one side, uh, side are painful things that break our hearts. But what's running right alongside that train track of pain is the train track of joy, of good things, of happiness, of beauty, loveliness, where things go right. And those tracks right, run right along each other through all our lives. Um, excuse me. So here I am in this amazing, amazing uh, group of women. We were growing. We were growing week by week, uh, teaching every week about God's goodness, sitting among women who were talking about the pain of motherhood, the sleepless nights, the weight that they were gaining after childbirth. And here I am sitting there quietly and praying that somehow, I would experience that pain too of sleepless nights and gain some weight because I had a baby. Some days I felt like I was an outsider even though I was the one who was leading the group. I was from an outsider looking into the group, feeling like not belonging. Uh, verse 12 uh, in First Samuel it says, as Hannah kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. I love Hannah's boldness. She doesn't shrink away in anger and bitterness because of Eli's flippant comment and his criticism. She shares her heart in humility. She says, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who's deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my heart, my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Hannah said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. This is what prayer does. Did you notice Hannah's circumstances didn't change at all? It was still the same. But somehow she has changed. You know, I, I find a lot of people come to me and say, you know, I'm struggling with this angel, and I, I don't want to come when I'm struggling. I come here and I bawl my eyes out, or I'm struggling with somebody. I, I, I have bitterness, and I, so I don't want to come, or... I'm struggling with deep anguish and or grief. I'm, I'm mourning, so I don't want to come. You know what church means? Church in Greek is ekklesia. It means 
gathered people. And God said, when you are gathered, I will come. His presence would come, and he would come and meet you where you are. And for me, I would say, when you are struggling, church is the best place for you to come. Because you know why? He will come and meet you in your pain, in your struggle, in your hopelessness. Um, he will give you hope. Uh, verse 20, it says, So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant um, and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. The word Samuel in uh, Hebrew uh, sounds like heard by God. That's what the Hebrew, heard by God. Can you imagine? Here's a woman, a nobody. She is heard by God. Um, and you would think this is when Hannah would pray this prayer, right? That Dervin prayed. You would think this is when she would say, my heart rejoices in the Lord. No. That's not when she prays. The story continues. When her husband Elkanah went up with his, all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy has weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. So he says, what, do what seems best to you. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After she had weaned him, she took the boy with her, young as he was, brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to Eli, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live. I am the woman who stood here several years ago beside you, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For, he, for his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Then Hannah prayed and that prayer. I just want you to imagine Hannah now. After having Samuel, Hannah knows the day is coming when she has to leave her son at the temple. He's going to grow there all the days of his life. Uh, weaned um, Usually, uh, when they stop breastfeeding in those days, usually three or four, when they are three or four, uh, if, you, if it was your only child, probably four or five, and most scholars think probably Samuel was four to five years old. She knows her days with her son are numbered. She knows she's going to stop hearing the pitter-patter footsteps pretty soon. 
and it's no, no longer going to be there. Some of you have felt that feeling when you dropped your little baby off uh, on the first day of kindergarten. Um, you know, you ball all the way home, right? Um, I remember dropping off Caleb uh, when he was 13. Uh, uh, he was going to be at Barnabas for two weeks on his own. The whole ride from here to uh, Horseshoe Bay, I prayed the whole time. I don't think he needed prayer. I think I needed prayer. So I prayed the whole ride there. And after I dropped him, I bawled all the way home. And here he was, 13. Now imagine Hannah, her little boy, four to five years old. Somebody else is going to raise him for the rest of his life. And you might think, oh, at least it was in the temple, right? It's a good place to raise up a son. At least he's in a safe place. Not so. If you continue to read chapters 2 to 4, you find out that Eli's sons were wicked. They were really wicked. Uh, they were power hungry. They were greedy. They were arrogant. They were corrupt. They were openly taking bribes. They were treating the people and the sacrifices with contempt. They seduced young women because of their title that they were priests. Eli wasn't that great either. He was self-indulgent. Uh, he was greedy. Um, he was quiet when he should have spoken up against his boys. He didn't. And all Israel knew what was happening. All Israel knew. That means Hannah and Elkanah would have known too. That this is not a safe place for her son to be growing up. So imagine again leaving your four to five-year-old son there for the rest of his life. First and Second Samuel was written by Samuel much later in his life. He was a well-known prophet, one of the significant prophets in the Old Testament. I wonder this prayer that Derwin read, Hannah sang this prayer when she was breastfeeding Samuel. So much so that he memorized this prayer. I wonder if she sang this song knowing that her days are numbered and when her grief was so much that she couldn't even pray anymore. I wonder when she worried about the fears about her son and his future, when that would overwhelm her, she sang this prayer. I wonder whether little Samuel heard this song all his childhood days by his mama. I wonder if this song that Hannah prayed in her pain, in her fears, in her sorrow became a strong tower for Samuel that in his lonely days in the temple 
when he needed his mama and he was lonely, he sang this song. I wonder if Samuel sang this song into his teen years and into his adulthood. Because you know what? This song, commentators think uh, there is a Psalms word for word with this prayer. Uh, they think even Elizabeth's, uh, Mary's Magnificat, Zachariah's song, all have foundations of this song. So this prayer that Hannah prayed in her grief, in her fear, but also in her thankfulness to the God who answers prayers, in her fruitfulness and in her emptiness. Our lives are like that. It's the parallel train tracks, right? There is joy and there is sorrow. I think Hannah is choosing the joy and the sorrow. She is praying through her fears, through her anguish, through the fears of future. Uh, I like what Tim Keller says when he's commenting on Psalm 34. He says, how can we be delivered from all our fears? He says the answer is comprehensive. Build an identity that gets its significance or glory, makes its boast not from your accomplishments or racial identity or talent or moral efforts or family, but from God. Then and only then is the foundation of your self-worth secure and not subject to fears and shame. How can you get such an identity? By not just believing in God, but by tasting and experiencing God's goodness in prayer. I think Hannah prayed through her bitterness of her soul, prayed through her anguish, and she experienced God's goodness and his kindness in through prayer. I know many of you are in this season of fear. Maybe you are starting school uh, and you are fearful. Maybe it's your children who are going to school. Maybe they are going to kindergarten or maybe they are starting university. Um, you're worried. How are they going to manage on their own? Maybe you are fearful for your children's friends and maybe the scary influence they might have on you. Uh, mental health issues right now among teens and young adults are skyrocketing. And maybe you're fearful of that. Maybe you're fearful whether your child is able to keep their faith as they grow up. Maybe you're fearful of your financial circumstances, how this pandemic is going to go through and how you're going to survive through it. Can I challenge you to press into Jesus? Spend time in his presence so that he may breathe life into you? It's interesting, Jesus calls himself, the last name he calls himself is 
morning star. It's in Revelation, the last chapter. You know, morning star comes, it appears at the darkest night. And the light comes. And I think Jesus would want you to call out to that morning star so that he might shine his light into you. Then maybe you can raise warriors who can go into the world and change them. It's not because you are an amazing parent, but because you have a sovereign God who rules and he reigns. He sits on the throne and he is for you and not against you. He is with you all the time. Uh, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. But while they come, I'm going to read this prayer to you and over you. And I'm going to ask you to stand. And I want you to stand and open your hands. I want you to come with your pain, come with your fears, come with your disappointments, come with your disillusionments, and make it your prayer, like Hannah did. My heart rejoices in the Lord Yahweh. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies. Whoever your enemies are, whether it's your fears, my mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. So you can leave your vengeance with the Lord, the justice with him. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumble are armed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has many sons pine away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts up the needy from the ash heap. He seats, the, sits them, seats them with princesses and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevail. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken.
the most high will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to the his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. You know, at this time of prayer, there was no king in Israel. Samuel, her little boy, would be the one who would anoint the first king. And he would also, Samuel would anoint David, an amazing king. Who knows what you pray through your fears and through your pain might change the world like it did for Hannah. 